Holy Gospel from Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. How great it is to dwell in the midst of a God who has come and who promises to come again. How great it is to know the hope, peace, joy, and love that are ours at Advent and Christmas. And I pray that those will be with you not only today, uh, but every day as you live in faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this morning we're getting into the miracle of the manger. We've been looking at miracle throughout the Advent season. As we think about that word miracle, it's important for us to define it. Um, we've been working on a definition during our Bible study time in Fishers, and they, the uh, the definition that we've come up with is the otherwise inexplicable intervention of God with humanity in defiance of the usual order. The otherwise inexplicable intervention of God with humanity in defiance of the usual order. I know, I know it's wordy, but it fits and it works. Just, just work with me for a second here. So the otherwise inexplicable. So it's important for us to say if it's truly the miracle, the situation, the event is truly a miracle, then it can't simply be explained away. It's otherwise inexplicable. It's the intervention of God. And that in and of itself should be a miracle. A recognition that God would intervene, that he would come in our time and in our space and intervene here. The intervention of God with humanity. That sentence, that phrase alone is itself so wonderful to think that God would not only want to dwell in our time and in our space, but he would dwell with us in defiance of the usual order. And the usual order fits, fits two patterns normally, right? Uh, two patterns. We know them to be true. We live these on a daily basis. There's the pattern of calm, which is the normalcy of our lives, right? Most of us live fairly predictable lives. We know what each day is basically going to bring. We know what each week is basically going to bring. That's our norm. But we also live, we also live in the midst of chaos, right? And of broken plans and of confusion. 
And so in the midst of our calm, we have these moments where chaos sort of breaks in and changes everything. Something, does, something happens that we don't expect to happen. And in the midst of that, it, it happens so frequently that we call it our norm. We're, we're not surprised when it happens. We're not surprised when these crazy things occur on a daily basis. We live in the midst of calm and in the midst of chaos. When we say that God has come to intervene with humanity inexplicably, in defiance of the usual order, it means in defiance of the calm. So sometimes he comes to upset the normal order, and other times he comes in the midst of our chaos, which means to bring calm in the midst of our chaos. Now this is what God does miraculously for us. And today we're looking at the miraculous work that Jesus Christ did for us in the manger. And the work that God has done is miraculous. Now, now if you're a detail-oriented person, and I know that some of you are, you, you probably found it a bit ironic that we're titling this week The Miracle of the Manger, and we've chosen as the reading Matthew chapter 1, a reading which, of course, does not mention the manger. But nevertheless, we understand manger to be that, that kind of shorthand Right, the shorthand for the entire event that is the birth of Jesus Christ, that is the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. And we understand this to be miraculous, to be the otherwise inexplicable intervention of God with humanity in defiance of the usual order. This is what, this is what Emmanuel, God with us, is all about. And God's plan is perfect. God's plan is a plan of salvation for lost humanity. And we are reminded that the world was mired in sin from the beginning, from that first instance of sin on down. That the world was mired in sin, lost and condemned, and unable to save itself. Yet God has intervened. He has sent his Son. God the Son has come to dwell in our midst, to dwell with humanity, to dwell as God with us, Emmanuel. Come to be born of a virgin, to come to be born in Bethlehem, come to be born Jesus. We know the name Jesus. It's not just his name, it's also his mission. That the name Jesus means God saves, Yahweh saves. It's a recognition that this is what God has done to intervene with sinful humanity, that he has come to save us in the only way that we could be saved, and that God's plan is perfect. It's the miracle of the manger. But, but we also know the details of the manger. And when we dig into the details of the manger, suddenly it doesn't seem so perfect anymore. And we start with that foundational basis of, of the world being lost in sin, the world being mired in sin, and we are reminded that God didn't create it to be this way, but that we broke it. We broke the Creator's perfect plan. That the sin which causes chaos in the world is oftentimes our own responsibility. It's oftentimes things that we do, though not always. We live mired in the midst and effect of sin. Even with that basis, the plan doesn't sound so perfect. God has intervened. He has chosen to send his son. God the son come to dwell with us to be born of the Virgin Mary, 
the Virgin Mary who was engaged to a man named Joseph. And Matthew focuses more on Joseph than on anyone else. And we see it focused on Joseph. We see the imperfection of the plan. You see, Joseph learns that Mary is pregnant. And when he learns that Mary is pregnant, he knows one very clear and loud truth. It's that he has had no union with her. And so the baby is not his. He's a righteous man. He has in mind to divorce her quietly. Divorce? Doesn't sound like such a perfect plan. But God intervenes. And we learn that the miracle of the manger is as much a series of lesser miracles as it is one great miracle. God comes to intervene by sending an angel, the very same angel who had appeared to Mary. We see Joseph filled with fear, and imagine the fear of Mary. But the angel comes to him and says, do not be afraid. Instead, take home Mary as your wife. Don't live according to your fear, Joseph. Instead, God miraculously works faith in Joseph to accomplish what needs to be done. Joseph, it needs to happen this way. Jesus needs to be born. And working this miraculous faith in Joseph works so that Joseph does what he's supposed to and takes Mary home to be his wife, to care for, and to care for the child so that the baby is born. And he gives him the name, Jesus. Born into a town that didn't have any room for him. Laid in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. The son of God born into a peasant family the Son of God being born in a town that didn't have room for him. The Son of God, God the Son, being adored not by kings and queens, but by shepherds. The plan doesn't sound so perfect anymore, does it? And yet Jesus was born. Jesus, God saves. And we learned something so critical and so crucial for us, we who live in a path of calm and chaos. We learned that God's plan is perfect even in the midst of our brokenness, even in the midst of the world's broken plans, even in the midst of things which are otherwise imperfect. God's plan is still perfect. It's God's plan of salvation. Now we... We have an event in Fishers that's called the Living Nativity, right? The Living Nativity is an opportunity to, to tell the story of the birth of Jesus. We, we do it in the living world. That's why it's called a Living Nativity. And so some of our youth play the different roles, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men. Not just youth, by the way. Adults help out with this as well. And because it's a Living Nativity, we also have living animals that are a part of this. Because it's a Living Nativity, that means we get to deal with, we get to deal with the, uh, the element of weather, and we get to deal with the element of living animals. <laughs> right? And Ron and Sally Theme, who are disciples of our church, bring the animals down and pygmy goats and goats and sheep and a cow and chickens. And the chickens were stowaways last year. That's another story for another time. <laughs> it's a funny one, let me tell you. But they 
this year intentionally, but they're free-range chickens, so they don't like to stay in the little pen that's designed for them, and they get out, and they're chickens just wandering around, and it makes all of us suburbanites really uneasy to have chickens running around. Well, this one chicken this year decided that this show is really about this chicken. <laughs> and you see, one of the things that Ron did was when he first built this stable, when we were building it, he, he built two mangers. And one manger he puts in with the animals, and the other manger he puts out for Jesus. But, you know, as soon as the animals come and see the mangers, they immediately go toward it and they start eating. You see, animals know one thing really well, and it's where their food is found. And everyone who sees the animals eating out of the manger never forgets that this is what a manger is for. Well, this, this chicken knew what a manger was for. It was warm bedding on a cold night. And so this chicken didn't want to stay with the other animals, decided that the other manger was perfectly fine. And so it just jumped up and bedded down and was sitting in the manger where Jesus was supposed to be laid. <laughs> And so I went around the back, and I, I told Mace Hughes, if you know Mace Hughes, Mace was playing Joseph for this particular showing. We do it a bunch of times. So Mace was playing Joseph. I told Mace, you've got to shoo the chicken out of the manger before you lay Jesus down. Well, Mace knows, knows nothing about chickens, as I know nothing about chickens. So he said, okay, fine. So he goes out there with Mary and the child, and they go out to the manger, and Mace just starts going, shoo, shoo, shoo. And that's, everyone's kind of laughing, but the chicken won't go away. So Mace, God bless him. I mean, literally, God bless him. Mace just picks the chicken up, and he takes it to the edge of the stable, and he drops it, and he goes, shoo! Well, the chicken doesn't. It runs back and jumps in the manger. I'm telling you, the chicken thought the story was all about it. So Mace just kind of goes, and they move the chicken to the side and lay Jesus on the other side. And they shared the manger. imperfect plans and yet God's perfect plan of salvation let me tell you something else about the living nativity there are hundreds of people that attend much like breakfast with baby Jesus at this site there are hundreds of people that attend and I stand out there for these showings and I get to hear I get to hear at least five languages other than English that were spoken outside at the manger I thought to myself here we are worried about a chicken and God is using his account of the birth of Jesus to draw people to himself. That's the reminder for us that God's plan is always perfect. That God's plan is perfect even in the midst of our chaos and our brokenness. And we know that it means far more than just chickens and mangers. It means even in the midst of our own sinful lives, and the chaos that we create and the chaos that is created around us. It means we need the reminder that God's plan is still perfect because if you're a normal human being in the midst of your chaos and in the midst of the brokenness and the pain that you've experienced or maybe are experiencing now, in the midst of that, there have been times when you've wanted to say to God, I thought your plan was perfect. And you sent your son Jesus to restore broken and sinful humanity. You sent your son Jesus to bring us forgiveness of sins, and yet here we are, still mired in sin, so did the plan not work? If it did, why am I still living this way? And that's where we go back to the text. We go back to the mission of Jesus Christ. 
And we're reminded that the plan of salvation is perfect. God's plan of salvation is perfect and complete in the work of Jesus Christ. As he grew and went to the cross, as he rose again for us, that his plan of salvation is complete and it is perfect. That God has intervened. For what purpose? Because the restoration isn't. Because God's plan is still ongoing. Because God is still miraculously at work one of us and God is still miraculously at work in our world because we still live we still live with this usual order of calm and chaos we are told in the scriptures that that will not go away that chaos will not end until the day when Jesus Christ returns and the plan is complete and so until that day we live with the assurance of Emmanuel God with us. And of a God who still works miracles in each of our lives. And of a God whose plan is still perfect even in the midst of our chaos. I needed that reminder this week. My wife Kate and I traveled down to Houston on Monday and Tuesday this week. We went down there to be with a family, a close, a family that we were close in the congregation that I served in Arizona. We went down there because their 19-year-old daughter Lily died. And we went down there for the funeral. And they called it a, a celebration of life. And I'll tell you, if ever there was a celebration of life of a 19-year-old, this was it. See, Lily had, had never been sick a day in her life. She went away as a healthy freshman to Oklahoma State University to study agribusiness. While she was there, after being there a few weeks, she contracted mono, which morphed into HLH and into T-cell lymphoma. And two and a half months later, she was dead. That's chaos. That's brokenness. That's pain. And even as we watched our friends grieve the death of their daughter, as, as we grieved the death of one of my daughter Emma's first friends, she's just a couple years older than her, and they used to play together all the time. Even as we grieved this, the people that kept taking the podium to eulogize her, kept telling stories of her life, not just of the plans that could have been, but the plans that were already enacted in her life, and the amazing way that she lived and had already touched so many people's lives. But the thing that was overwhelming the thing that we heard over and over again from every person who took the mic was the thing that was the most important in Lily's life was her faith in Jesus Christ. And it wasn't forced because it was the most obvious thing about her. That this is how she lived. She lived knowing the love of God in Jesus Christ. And so I sat up there watching my friends grieve and next to Kate and thinking about our family and, and had that range of emotions that we all experience in a moment like that. I have my theology running around in my brain and the real world experience going on right here and making sense of all of this. The thing that just kept coming, coming to my mind was maybe, maybe this is the right week to celebrate the life of a 19-year-old. Maybe this is the right week. And a week when we're reminded of, of God's perfect plans in the midst of our imperfect world. A time when we're reminded of what miracle truly means. The otherwise inexplicable intervention of God with humanity and defiance of the usual order. Because here we were celebrating the life of a 19-year-old. And yet rejoicing 
that death doesn't have the final word. Rejoicing that in the midst of all of this, God's plan of salvation was perfect. It's perfect for Lily. It's perfect for me. It's perfect for you. Yet God's plan is not finished. And that one day, we will dwell restored, complete, and healed. We will dwell that way in the presence of our Holy Father. We will dwell that way in the paradise of God, which Jesus Christ has prepared for us. Because God's plan of salvation is perfect. So brothers and sisters, as you celebrate the miracle of the manger, the miracle of God's work in your life, in the midst of all of your imperfections, in the midst of all of your chaos and your calm, remembering the intervening work of God, that God's plan is perfect. For the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.